Let's take our Bibles, and uh, we're going to go to Hebrews 11. Also, if you'll put a marker over in Genesis chapter 22. We'll spend a little time over there. Look there, verse 1, Hebrews 11. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Uh, another verse I read every week, I think every week, Romans 1.17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. We've been looking at lessons of faith. We looked the first Sunday at uh, those first three verses, God's declaration of what faith is. And I I like to let the Bible do its defining. Uh, People ask me, what what Bible dictionary do you use? I said, the King James Bible. The context will usually give you all that you need to know about a verse, about a word. And, uh, and so uh, we've looked at that and we've seen how God gave us this, his definition of faith and then gives us these illustrations. We've looked at many different Bible characters, Abel and Noah, uh, Enoch, uh, Abraham and Sarah. Then last uh, two weeks ago, we looked at these all, uh, where God just kind of pauses in the middle. It says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. And were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. We saw some lessons of faith from these all, how God tested them. And, and then we saw last week lessons of faith from the old country. Uh, that uh, the old country is, uh, we have to declare our desire for the new country. That's what they did. Amen. It showed that they were not of this world. They were seeking the, the, the country to come. Uh, they saw the dangers of being reminded of the old country. Man, it's so easy to go back. So easy. And, uh, you know, I was thinking this week of, of a New Testament example of that, and that's Demas uh, in St. Timothy chapter 4. You know, most of us, that's all we think of Demas, you know, has forsaken me, having loved this present world. But the first time he's mentioned, I believe it's in the book of Colossians, Paul refers to him as Demas, my fellow laborer. He was with Paul like Luke was with Paul, like Timothy was with Paul, like Titus was with Paul. He was a preacher. Next time he's mentioned, it's just Demas. And the third time, Demas the forsaker. And it's so easy to make that progression if we fail to do the things that these men did, where they, these people of faith, that they, 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 they understood how dangerous the old country was. Uh, if we're constantly thinking about the old country, we'll have a desire to return. We looked at that last week. And so we must set our affections on, on home, on the, on the next life. But I want you to, this morning... To jump down to verse 17 there in Hebrews 11. And uh, God continues with his uh, thoughts of of Abraham. We'll look at that verse number 17 down through verse number 19. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that hath received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence he received him in a figure. Uh, We're going to talk this morning a little bit more about lessons of faith from the life of Abraham. Let's pray. Father, I pray you'd help us as we look into this wonderful chapter once again. We look into this particular part of the life of, of Abraham that you highlight for us. And then we'll go to Genesis 22 to see the details and Help us to see the steps of faith that Abraham took. May we make those same kinds of steps of faith. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
As we look into the life of Abraham, you know, there are several things that jump out to us. Number one, of course, is him leaving the Ur of the Chaldees. That's the big one. You know, and then we talk about he was the father of the faithful. But in Hebrews 11, verses 17 to 19, God then shows us, this is why I call him the father of the faithful. Genesis 22 will give us some things about him, uh, about Abraham, that are, that are phenomenal. Uh, it says, by faith, Abraham. Uh, first of all, Abraham took steps of faith. We talked about there in Romans that we're to live from faith to faith. We saw in the previous lesson in Romans 4 that his faith was counted for righteousness. Abraham was, was called righteous not because he left the year of the Chaldees, not because he was willing to offer Isaac. He, he, those would have been works. He was called the father of the faithful because he obeyed God by faith. He believed God. And God said, that's righteousness. Isn't it amazing? We count all of righteousness of the stuff we do. But in the life of Abraham, it wasn't what he did, it's what he believed. Now what you believe will affect what you do. But we're always looking at the present day. You know, the truth is, you look at the church in Ephesus, there in Revelation chapter 2, where they're mentioned as the church uh, where, where God highlights them and talks about, I know thy works and thy labor and how thou hast patience and has, you know, has... has you know, they, they didn't put up with error, and, and they lived for the truth, and they, they took strong stands. Then God says about them, Jesus says, but I have someone against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. The church at Ephesus did all the right stuff. You and I would have called them righteous. And God said, you left me. You abandoned me. Why? Because it wasn't being done in faith anymore. Was it being done because of their love for God? And so we see in the life of Abraham uh, in, in Romans 4, 3, what saith the scripture, Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. His faith is what made him righteous before God. Uh, it says in Romans uh, 4, verses 13, and then we'll read verse 16, for the promise which he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. It says in verse 16, therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end of the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to, uh, not to that only which is of the law, but to that which is also of the faith of Abraham, who was the father of us all. So Abraham, he, he took steps of faith. We understand those. We've looked at those. But there were other steps that he was required to take. We get to Hebrews 11, verses 17 to 19, and God is reminding us of that day that he came to Abraham in chapter 22 of Genesis. He says, I want you to take your son, thine only son, and offer him. That was not what Abraham was expecting. And, and the thing we can learn from this, as we look at this, this test of faith that God's going to give to him, is just because you've had faith in the past, you had enough faith to get saved, that doesn't exclude you from taking additional steps of faith. One of the dangers of being saved a while, you, you took steps of faith to get saved. It's the only way anybody gets saved. In your early Christian life, you grew. You took steps of faith. You, you got baptized. You joined the church. You began to do the things the Bible says to do. You started listening to God. But after a while, you know all the right words. You know how to dress. You know how to talk when you're around Christians. And it's real easy to put on the front, but inside, you're no longer living by faith. 
in, in, write this reference down if you're taking notes, please. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Grow in grace. None of us get to the point where we're supposed to stop growing. Now, I, you've heard me talk about my hero of the faith, Joe, Dr. Joe Boyd. Dr. Boyd preached for over 65 years as an evangelist. Uh, Dr. Boyd preached until he was 91. And I love the fact that he preached uh, over 3,500 revival meetings. Just think about that. Thousands of people saved. Dr. Boyd was a great personal soul winner, one of my favorite preachers. But my favorite thing about him was none of that. When he was 91 years old, he had a stroke. could no longer speak more than a word or two at a time. I went by his house. He was never going to preach again. Went by the apartment where he lived and I went inside and there was a kitchen table there and at the end of that table was a Bible and a notebook and, 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 and some other study books. Next to that was a bookshelf. Brother Boyd, he'd had desks, but he never used them. He always studied at a table or at a, on a hotel bed because that's where he spent all of his life, amen? And uh, here he was when I knocked on the door, he was studying his Bible, 91 years old. And I saw all kinds of notes. He had outlines written. Things that, I mean, it was fresh. He'd written it that day. And here's a man who's never going to preach what he just wrote down. But he never stopped growing in grace. I don't, it doesn't matter how long you've been saved, how long you've been serving the Lord. You still need to grow, just like I need to grow. Here, but grow in grace. That's what Abraham had to do. Uh, the Bible says in, in Luke 17, 5, And the apostles said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. Now these were the men that left all and followed him. And they said, please increase our faith. In Jude 1, and verse 20, verse only one chapter in Jude, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Notice, building up yourselves in your most holy faith. We're commanded to build our faith. Uh, let's go to 2 Peter, if you would, 2 Peter, and uh, we'll get to uh, the chapter there in Genesis pretty quickly. 2 Peter, chapter number 2, in verse number 1, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us, through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of, our, of Jesus our Lord. According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Man, what a great verse, verse number 3 is. That He's given us everything we need. But look at verse number 4 whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity, for if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of, the, of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall. What an amazing chapter. Where he tells us here that we're saved by faith, but we're to add to that faith some things. And he lists them. And by the way, I hear people all the time talk about, well, you know, don't pray for patience because, you know, you'll have to go through tribulation. Here it commands us to add patience. So you are supposed to pray for patience. You say, that means I'm going to go through trials. Oh, yeah. That's part of the Christian life. Amen. And so here he's commanding us, we're to add some things to our faith. Uh, we're to add virtue and knowledge and temperance and, and patience and, and godliness and brotherly kindness and charity. I wish we had time just to center on that. The truth is that is a progression God wants us to do. And if we skip some of those, we're never going to be what God wants us to be. We're not going to get to the point in our Christian life that he's trying to get us to. The reason many believers struggle is that they've never added anything to their saving faith. They're still exactly like they were the day they got saved. Many people, when they get saved, I'm convinced that all they were looking for was a fire escape from hell. But God intended to save more than just your eternity. He wanted to save your life now. He wanted, to, he wanted to do some things in your life that you'll have to obey Him by faith to see Him do so that you can be all that He wants you to be. And so if you're going to be fruitful, notice here it says in verse number 8, For if these be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you look around in your life and you see not a lot of spiritual fruit there, well, you need to go back to this list and see what am I missing that I have not added to my faith. Abraham was a great man of faith, but just leaving the earth of the Chaldees was not enough. God was going to expect more than that from him. Uh, it says in verse number 9, he that, but he that lacketh these things, so if we've not added to our, our faith, is blind. And cannot see afar off, and forgotten that he's purged from his old sins. We've all seen believers that lived for God and did well, and all of a sudden we started seeing them making really bad choices. You're wondering, don't they see what's going to happen if they do that? Well, no, they can't. Because they've stopped adding to their faith, they're now living by fleshly sight rather than walking by faith, and they don't have the spiritual discernment to see what's coming. Why? Because they, they, they've not added to their faith. That was one of the problems Abraham had when he ended up going to Egypt and lying about his wife. And he nearly got killed, nearly lost his wife. <laughs> Why? Because he had a lapse of faith. It says, but he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. You will not be able to see the things spiritually we talked about last week unless you have added to your faith. Uh, go back to Hebrews 11, if you will. Hebrews 11, and verse number 14. We read this one last week. For they that say such things, declaring for the, old, uh, for the new country, and that they're, not, that they're pilgrims and strangers on the earth, they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. We read in Colossians 3 last week. 
if ye then be risen from Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. You will not see those things until you take some additional steps of faith. Before I get into the rest of the outline, just ask you a question. When was the last time you did something by faith? Remember what it was like to just put your faith in Jesus Christ? You understand when you read the gospel story, you listen to the Christmas story, it does not make sense. Hollywood couldn't come up with a more unbelievable story. But every bit of it's true. Amen. Amen. And how did we get saved? We received that by faith. Now, as we, as believers, we're to continue to grow in faith. Have you grown spiritually since you got saved? Let me put it a little more pointed. Have you grown spiritually in 2018? Could you, look, could you write down on a sheet of paper the things that God has taught you in areas where you have trusted Him more this year than you did last year? We're all supposed to be growing in our faith. Uh, Hebrews 11, verse 17, By faith, Abraham, notice this, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. First of all, we're to take steps of faith. But second of all, your faith will be tested. Anybody ever read the book of Job? Now, it's one of those amazing books. I wish we had time to talk more about it. But Job, um, we know what happened. We know in Job 1 that Satan came before God. God said, where you been? He said, I've been walking around the earth. And God said, have you considered my servant Job? It was not Job, it wasn't the, the devil, Satan, that brought up Job. It was God. And I've always thought when I read that, God, would you please brag on somebody else, not me? You know? <laughs> Leave me alone. Pick on somebody else. But because of that, Job was tested. You and I are going to have our faith tested. Now, let's go back to, to uh, Genesis chapter 22, and we'll see this story. Genesis 22, and you're going to have to listen quickly. It's just the way that's going to have to work. Genesis 22, look at verse number 1. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went unto the place which God had told him. And then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac said unto Abraham his father, uh, or speaking to Abraham his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. Or for a burnt offering. So they went both forth of them together, and they came to the place 
which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar of wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called out of heaven, called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, and seest thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, uh, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his thorns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. What an incredible, incredible chapter. We could spend weeks just looking at what we've read here in this chapter. Now think of this, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Abraham had spent years waiting for God to fulfill the promise about sending a son. Remember, he had tried to, to, to work out the promise himself by having Eleazar his servant's son, to be the son. God said, no, that's not it. Then his wife Sarah said, well, why don't you go into Hagar and have a child by him? And, and maybe that's how God will give you the heir. And he did that, and that's how we got Ishmael. And we have that mess in the Middle East because of all that. God said, that's not it. And by the way, I want you to look again at verse number one. We, I, I, just, I don't want to pass it up. It's not really a big part of the message, but... It's a big part of this chapter. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac. How many sons did did Abraham have at that point? He had two. The first one was the, 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 the son born out of sin, the bondwoman. He'd gotten right with God about that. He had a second son. His name was Isaac. God said, take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac. Aren't you glad when you confess your sin, God forgets it? He removes it from his memory. Hallelujah for that. Amen. And God said, your only son. And of course, Abraham knew which one he was talking about. The promises of God to Abraham all centered in Isaac, not Ishmael. The promises didn't center in Eleazar. It centered in Isaac. That his seed would be innumerable as the stars and the sands of the seashore. Uh, his seed would possess the land of promise, the land of Canaan. But how could those promises be fulfilled if he killed Isaac? Look at back, keep a marker here, but let's go back to Hebrews 11. And we see something about the faith of Abraham. He says here in verse, uh, we'll start at verse number 17. By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that received the promises offered up his own begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, notice verse 19, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. What was God saying? I want you to take your son and offer him. And Abraham was willing to do that. He, he even told, we read there back in, in Genesis 22, he told the men, he said in, in um, uh, let's see here, verse, uh, let me find it. Where he said to the men, I and the lad will go yonder. In verse number five. 
and worship and come again. Abraham knew he was taking his son to slay him. He was going to put him on an offering, or on an altar. In the Old Testament sacrifices, when you slayed a lamb, you didn't bring the lamb back. He said, I'm going to take my son and I'm going to offer him as a, as a sacrifice. But we're coming back. He did not mean bringing back a dead body. Because my, the promises God made to me are in my son. So I'm bringing him back. You know what that is? I have written into my Bible right next to that verse, faith. He said, even if God allows me and requires of me to slay my son, God will raise him up because he made a promise. You talk about a step of faith and talk about a test. That test was a great test. But Abraham, the Bible says in another place, he staggered not. So, okay, God, if that's what you require, I will do that. He takes his son and he puts him up there for the offering. And we need to understand that God's going to test our faith. You know, that's one of the reasons why we need difficulties. If everything was super easy as soon as you got saved, you'd have nothing to trust God for. Jesus said to the disciples, without me, ye can do nothing. Not without me, you can't do the big things. No, without me, you can do nothing. Anything that we're doing without him is flashly and not of faith and won't get any rewards from heaven. Abraham's faith was tested. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1, 7, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. The reason we go through this testing is not so we can brag about, look what I did. It's so that he will get more glory. Go over to the book of Job. I, I just, these verses just keep coming to my mind. We've got to go there. Job 23. In Job 23, he's in the middle of his trial. Now, you and I know what happened. We know Satan went to God, and we know God said, okay, you can touch him, and you can, you can, you can take all of his things from him. And, and then he came back the second time, and he said, he still trusts you. And, 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 and uh, Satan said to God, well, it's because you won't let me touch his body. Well, go ahead and touch him. Just don't kill him. We know that. But you understand, Job didn't know that. We read the book. He didn't. He lived it. His three friends come and they start telling him things that are going on in his life. And none of that was really going on. Be real careful about judging somebody you see going through a difficult time. You don't know why they are. Sometimes it is because of our sins. Sometimes God is bragging to Satan. But notice in Job 23, we're in the first part of the chapter. He says in verse number 3, Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. I would order my calls before him and fill my mouth with arguments. He said, if I knew where God was, I would go to him. I would talk to him. He says, I would know, in verse number 3, the, the words he would answer. I know what God's going to say to me if I could talk to him. But he goes on and he says in verse number 8, Behold, I go forward, but he is not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. Uh, for he hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. I have a message I preach on this one, on what to do when you don't know where God is. This is where Job was. He was being tested. 
He didn't know what was going on. He was praying and didn't seem like God was answering. You ever been there? What does it require? Steps of faith. He said, I don't even know where he's at. Look at verse number 10. But he knoweth the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. He said, I I don't know where he is, but he knows where I am. But I want you to notice in verse number 11. My foot hath held his steps. His way have I kept and not declined. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. He said, I'm just going to keep doing what he told me to do. I'm going to keep stepping by faith. I don't understand it. I don't see it. I'm being tested and I don't know why. But I'm going to keep trusting him. Go on down to um, verse number 13. But he is in one mind. Who can turn him? What his soul desireth, even that he doeth. He's right about that. God's going to do what he wants to do. Look at verse number 14. This is an amazing verse. For he performeth the thing that is appointed for me. And, and many such things are with him. He said, God's doing this in my life. I don't know why, but he appointed it for me. This is God's special choice for my life. I don't understand it, but I will trust him. I'll keep walking in faith. Verse number 15, therefore, because of the testing, I am troubled at his presence, but I consider I am afraid of him, for God maketh my heart soft, and the Almighty troubleth me, because I was not cut off before the darkness, neither hath he covered the darkness from my faith. Here Job is saying, I don't know what's going on, but by faith I will continue to take the steps he requires of me. That's taking steps of faith even in the midst of trial. That's exactly what Abraham's doing in Genesis 22. You see, when you take steps of faith during a trial, God gets more glory. You understand that's what we were created for in the first place? We're created for His glory. Amen? Go back to Hebrews 11. Keep your place there in Genesis because we'll come back in a moment. How are we doing on time? We're doing great. Hebrews 11, verse 17, by faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. We're to take steps of faith. Our faith will be tested. But number three, faith requires sacrifice. Abraham's faith now was going to require more of him than he ever imagined. I promise you, the day that Isaac was born, And Abraham and Sarah rejoicing over the fact they finally had the child that God had promised them. Now God was going to do all the stuff he said. And then God said, yeah, it's not that easy. I've got something that you're going to have to go through. I'll put you through this trial. I want you to take him. I want you to take Isaac and sacrifice him. Have you ever thought about what you would do in that setting? where you've grown so much in your faith that God now requires of you something that's beyond your expectation or understanding, what would you do at that moment? Abraham had taken enough steps of faith in his life that when God required this of him, he staggered not. Okay, God. You know why? He had been walking by faith all along. He had learned to trust God. 
His faith <coughs> was being tested. God said, okay now, Abraham, I want more than that. I'm going to require a sacrifice. I was reading one day the biography of C.T. Studd. Anybody ever read about him? The great missionaries. He was a, a great ball player, a cricket player in England. And uh, he's in college, was going to be the next star professional player. And he got saved. And it's a long story. I have time to tell the whole story. And going to the mission field, he, he, he gave away the inheritance that he was going to get from his father. He gave half of his inheritance to Moody Bible Institute. The other half he gave to other missionaries. And he went by faith to the mission field. Incredible story. He went, uh, he went to China, then he went to, to Africa, and last of all, he went to India. His wife died on the mission field. And when he was an older man, he had heart problems, he had asthma. And they found his journal after he died. In the last year of his journal, the last year of his life, he had written this. He said, I have examined my life, and I have found I have nothing left to sacrifice for the Savior. And he wasn't saying that of a complaint. He was praising God for the opportunity to sacrifice in faith so God could use him. Most of us today don't understand that kind of faith. Let me ask you a question. What have you sacrificed for the Savior? Let me word it this way. What has your faith cost you? Go to 2 Samuel chapter 24. I was just going to read this one for you, but I think it would be good for you to look at this one. 2 Samuel 24. I was talking to somebody this week, and this verse came up. And this is David as he's getting ready to buy the threshing floor where they're going to build the, they're going to build the temple one day. You see in, in, Gen, in 2 Samuel 24, and he says in verse number 20, uh, let's see, we'll start verse 21. And Aruna said, where is my Lord the king, wherefore is my Lord the king come to his servant? David said, to buy the threshing floor of thee and to build an altar unto the Lord, that the plague might be stayed from the people. And Aruna said unto David, let my lord the king take and offer up what seemeth good unto him. Behold, there be oxen for burnt sacrifice and threshing instruments and other instruments of oxen for wood. All these things did Aruna, as a king, give to the king. And Aruna said unto the king, The Lord thy God accept thee. And the king said unto Aruna, this is David speaking now, Nay, but I will surely buy it of thee of a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built there an altar unto the Lord and, and offered burnt offerings and, and peace offerings. So the Lord was entreated for the land and the plague was stayed from Israel. David wanted to make a sacrifice. The, the Israel was facing a plague that, that David was trying to get God to stop. And he understood he needed to make a sacrifice. And the man that owned the threshing floor said, I'll give it to you. And I'll give you these oxen and their instruments so you can build the altar and the wood. And, and you can offer it. And just, I'll give it to you. And David said, oh no. By faith, I need to sacrifice something to the Lord. I'm not going to give to God 
what cost me nothing. I'm afraid too many of us in this generation, we are, we are living a comfortable Christianity. We don't mind coming to church if nothing else is going on. We'll give to an offering if we don't have anything else we want. But David said, no, that's not enough. If I'm going to do this for my God, <coughs> it requires of me sacrifice. The more that a church moves forward and tries to build, and I mean, think about it, if Faith Baptist Church is going to have a new, new property that's going to have a, a place for the church and the school together, that's only going to happen when God's people, by faith, sacrifice. Because that's what honors God. Faith requires sacrifice. Go back to uh, Hebrews 11 quickly. We've got two more thoughts that I want to give you. I think we've got enough time to do it. Somebody will take the batteries out of that clock. I always accused our ushers of wiring our 110 clock to 220. It went so fast. I'm just convinced of it. Hebrews eleven seventeen by faith Abraham when he was tried offered up Isaac and he that received the promises offered up his only begotten son. The fourth thing I want you to see about Abraham, his faith was built upon the promises of God. Why did he have enough faith to go up on that mountain? Because God had promised him, I'm going to make you a great nation and it's going to come through Isaac and you're going to have so many descendants you can't number them like you cannot number the stars in heaven or the sand of the sea. Here he was getting ready to take Isaac. Isaac didn't get a wife till chapter 24. So chapter 22 he's going to offer him. By faith he offers him but he was trusting God. He said, I'm, we're, I and the ladder are going to go yonder but we will come again after we're done worshiping. That's faith. His faith was based upon the promises. Notice it says, he that had received the promises. It means he accepted them. He welcomed it. He embraced them. We talked about that earlier. It says in Hebrews 7 and verse 6, but he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham, talking about Melchizedek, and blessed him that had the promises. Abraham had the promises of God. Every one of us, we have a Bible. It's full of God's promises. Now, not every promise in this book is for you, or to you, excuse me. They're not all to you, but they're all for you. So what are you talking about? Well, in Joshua chapter 1, God said to Joshua, he said, go up, walk through the land. And he gives them the the border of what God was going to give them. By the way, it's not what we think of as Palestine today. By the way, God never calls it that. And the borders that God gave them includes Iran, Iraq, and we don't have time to look at all that. But God said to Joshua, every place the sole of your foot shall tread upon that have I given unto you. That doesn't mean you want to buy your neighbor's property so you can build a big barn. You can just walk around it. Nope, God gave me this. I, I walked on it. I named it and claimed it. That's not what that verse means. All right? That's a great promise, but he did not make that to you. I've been walking around a certain Ford F-150, super crew. But anyway, just, just, it's not what that means. But the principle of what God has promised, he will fulfill. That promise is for me. So we need to look at that when we look at the scriptures. Here, Abraham, he was basing his faith on what he knew of God. 
God had made him promises. Imagine how much his faith increased the day Isaac was born. Because humanly speaking, it was impossible. But God specializes in that. And when God said, take your son and offer him, okay. Why? Because he'd seen God fulfill his promise so many times. Even though he was now being tested, he was willing to give the sacrifice. Our faith is built upon the promises of God. Look back at verse number 17 of Hebrews 11. By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that received the promises offered up his only begotten son. The focus of his faith was Jesus. When Abraham received the son, Isaac, he understood it wasn't just Isaac that he was promised. We'll see over in the book of Romans that the seed, I'm sorry, Galatians 3, verse number 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were, were pro, the promises made. He said, not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. Abraham understood the promise of the seed was not Isaac. It was the Messiah. He understood from Hebrews 11 that his son was a picture. Go back there to verse number 17. By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that received the promises offered up, notice the words, his only begotten son. That's not a mistake. God put that there just like John 3, 16. Of whom it is said, that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead. Notice the last part of the verse. From whence also he received him in a figure. Abraham understood that his son was a picture, a type of the Messiah. Man, we're looking at our time. I, I want to cover a lot on this. Pastor, I think I'm going to hold that part till next week because there's, there's too much to miss. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. Our faith is not in a religious system. It's not in, in this local gathering of believers that we call this local church. Our faith is not in a human being. Not, a, not, in, a, not in a priest, not in a pastor, not in a pope. Our faith is in Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're going to look uh, next week, we'll continue in this thought of Abraham's faith, his steps of faith, his sacrifice of faith based upon the promises and we're going to look again at Hebrews 11 and, and Genesis 22. I encourage you this week, take some time to read both of those. Because we're going to show you some ties between those two. They're just incredible of Abraham's faith. We're going to look at the content of his faith. What did Abraham believe? We're going to find out how Abraham got saved. And how Old Testament saints got saved. That'd be fun. Amen. Faith. It sure beats living by sight. Amen. Why? Because we have to trust him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for these great, great stories and these great principles of faith. May you help us to grow in our faith this week. May we add to our faith all those things you listed there in 2 Peter, the virtue and knowledge, patience, all those things. May we add them to us. May we be the kind of believer you expect us to believe. Help us to walk in faith this week. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.